episode of Devotional. This is episode 6. Devotional is an audio resource designed to help you with daily living. This is Ariel, and I'll be your presenter for this episode. So, can you guess from the background what I am doing again? That's right, I'm walking with my little girl. I really enjoyed doing that the last time, and I found that uh, it is helpful to a multitask. <laughs> but it feels good. It feels good to actually be out in the open and uh, looking at nature and talking about the God of nature, the God that wants you and I happy. And this is what this series has been about. We covered already the first three, the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Um, and now we're going to be going into, I guess that was the first like the first two, we're going to be heading into the third one, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This are all intertwined. And like I said at the very beginning, uh, for very first episode, that there will be a lot of overlap with these. And so we don't have to segment or fragment each as if they were separate. They're, there's just one uh, beautiful flow, one into the next. And right now we can, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen those people that would draw a cartoon on one piece of paper and then draw another cartoon in, in, in a piece of paper and put it on top. And we, they would do that, about 20 of them. And each uh, drawing, the character was slightly different. And when they flipped the book or booklet, it looked like motion. You would, you would flip it and you would see a person kicking a soccer ball, actually moving. Um, but it was only done when you would flip through those pieces of paper. Well, right now, we're able to have three, three pieces of paper with three different drawings. And so if we were to flip it, you would start to see this movement. And by the time we get to the eighth, you'll see this powerful, beautiful uh, representation of what happiness really looks like in the life. So um, we started with Jesus saying, the, the first part of being happy is recognize you have a need. And uh, that need will be met in my kingdom, kingdom of justice. Uh, the spiritual poverty that we recognize inside of us is the tremendous principle that what we do is typically guided either by, by pride or by selfishness. This realization, of course, leads me to mourn. I can't believe this is me, really. Wow, I begin to see God begins to open my eyes, not to my behaviors, but to the motives behind my behaviors. The why, how I allow these principles of pride and selfishness to dictate how I relate to dating, to marriage, to parenting, to my professional career. And uh, we are typically not very willing to go beneath the surface of behaviors. We usually use behaviors as a camouflage for the motives behind them. And what God wants us to see is that unless we get uh, deal with the, the core person, the core of who we are as a person, there's just no way to ever experience true happiness. Our happiness will be as deep as we are willing to look inside ourselves. And the more shallow that I look at myself, that much more shallow will be my happiness. I'm walking right past two ponds that we have in our uh, division, our housing uh, division, 
and uh, one of them is a very shallow pond. The other one is more, more has more depth, and the shallow pond is completely dry. It's actually grass growing on it. The other one still has water. So, I mean, when my idea of happiness is shallow and uh, like I said, simply based on what is seen, the behaviors, it is fragile. It is fragile and it will evaporate in the moment of stress, in the moment of crises. Usually that's the best indicators of what's really underneath that facade. And Jesus knows that uh, those things do not produce the, the happiness all of us are sincerely pursuing, we're all seeking after. And it's not just simply, like I said also, it's not just focusing on the negative aspects. Jesus focuses on something that we need, and then right away, he transitions into the solution. For the poor in spirit, you have the kingdom of God. For those that mourn, we have the comforter. And we already talked about that. That is um, the Holy Spirit that brings comfort into our lives. He brings, he points us to the cancer. He points us, like I said in that in the first couple of episodes, to the high cholesterol. He lets us know things that we would not have known about ourselves, like a blood test. It, my high cholesterol uh, has affected me, has affected everything that I, that I do. I mean, right now I'm, I'm walking with my little girl, not simply to enjoy nature. I know I need this. I know I need to have exercise. I need to, I need to engage my muscles, my, my heart. I also need to watch what I eat. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit begins to show you the depths of uh, what's inside of us, where our lives change. Our lives just are transformed. And through that transformation, we begin to experience a happiness we never had experienced before. A happiness that is not dependent on circumstances, outside circumstances. A happiness that is solid because, and it's immovable, because it comes from the inside, independent of anything that's out there. So now we're gonna be talking about the, the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And here's again, right, another word, meek. What in the world is someone that is meek? Um, in Spanish, it's, uh, so the word is manso, which is a little bit of an offensive word if you were to translate it uh, literally, because it means kind of like the docile, when, when a horse has been broken, you say that that horse is manso, it's been broken. But that's not really the, the, the meaning Jesus is bringing to this. We're not animals and God is not seeking to break us. What God is seeking to do is turn this uh, strong uh, trait of character that all of us carry called pride into the very opposite. So you already know, you can already guess that if pride and selfishness govern the principles of our behaviors, our choices, and our decisions that lead us to unhappiness, lead us to feeling regret and all the other stuff. God doesn't want us to keep those principles. So what he'll begin to do is, through the miracle of grace, to produce the very opposite of that. So when God begins to work with pride, it's uh, natural that this element of meekness would become manifested. And, and meekness, a synonym for meekness, is, is humility. Someone that is meek is uh, someone that is no longer striving to get noticed, no longer needing to be praised, uh, no longer needing the 
the number one spot, the parking lot that shows that you know, you're the number one salesperson. You are no longer driven by that. There's another principle, there's another driving force now moving you forward. And it doesn't make you mediocre. I mean, we, we should spend a little bit of time with that. Uh, meekness does not make you a doormat. And it does not make you content with getting C's or D's. You know, someone meek does not boast by saying, oh, I used to be proud and I got all A's. Now I get D pluses because I met Jesus. That's not what Jesus is trying to say. God is not making, we're going to make us mediocre. What God is, is going to transform is the reasons why I strive for academic excellence. It is no longer so that I can get my name put on a bulletin board or whatever. Those are things that are shallow. And what God begins to create is a depth, a depth of character inside of us. So someone that is meek, it's someone that is beginning to be driven by a principle that resembles a lot like Jesus's life, the way Jesus lived his life. When Jesus was here on earth, he was not seeking the best places in the synagogues. And you read the gospels, he talks about that. He would tell his disciples, when you go into the synagogue, don't look for the first place like other people do, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders do. They want to be noticed. They love accolades. They love uh, when people introduce them and mention all the doctorals and masters and bachelors and years of experience, you know, their curriculum vitae. Um, they love to hear all of their accomplishments being exalted and, and broadcasted. Jesus is like, this is what Jesus says. They got their reward. That's all they're going to get. And what they're getting does not satisfy them. The moment those accolades end, the moment those praises end, they begin to, it's like a drug. They begin craving more of it. And it's never going to be enough. And it'll begin to affect how they treat other people. They'll want that so bad. They'll, I remember this term being used in, in the world of business. When I first started college, I, that's what I was going to be majoring in, the cutthroat principle. Well, how does someone become cutthroat? Someone that wants and craves and, and yearns for this shallow self-affirmation. God offers us something better, something with a lot more depth. And we'll continue talking a little bit more about this meekness and why they get the earth. Why would they inherit the earth? What does all of that mean when we come back? to see this pattern that uh, when we take a little break, I share with you a, a verse from the Bible. Usually there's, these are verses that mean a lot to me personally. And um, I want to share with you one from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 26. I remember reading this for the first time in California when I was in massage school. And I was really struggling with insecurities, you know, low self-esteem, and I didn't know where they came from. And much of it came from trying to make myself outwardly, um, a, number one, outwardly uh, attractive, outwardly successful, and then realizing that inside I'm, I'm not. I'm just as insecure as the other person, and I'm just as fragile. And I remember, you know, loving the streaks of getting A's, 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 A's. But once a B came, oh, 
oh man, I was just so devastated and I was struggling with that. You know, why am I so fragile? Why is my world crumble over a letter? And so other people's worlds crumble over, you know, similar things that if you really think about it, it does make us realize we're not as strong uh, at our foundation is not as stable as we would like to think sometimes. So, well, in California, I read Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 26, and, and God says that He would sprinkle clean water on us and wash us, not from dirt, not from sweat. He says, he will, I will wash you from your idols. Um, and I will give you a new heart. I will take away the, the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes, in, in the principles that govern life. So when I finished reading that, I was there thinking about this exchange, the taking out of a heart of stone and giving a heart of flesh. Um, this people that are cutthroat, they're very hard-hearted. Uh, I remember even in nursing school, some of the classmates of mine were so competitive, so academically competitive. They almost acted like they didn't want you to get a good grade. They wanted you to get a bad grade to make their good grade look even better. That's a hard heart. And pride and selfishness, that's exactly that. It makes us um, hard hard towards others. It, it removes our capacity to experience and express compassion, a pity, um, to feel a, other people's challenges, other people's pains, and feel like you want to do something about it, not simply watch, but actually become part of their solution. And so when I began to realize this, I began to say, Lord, um, yes, I, I, I need a heart like that. I want a heart that is sensitive. I've become hardened. I've become aware of how selfishness and proud I've become. And I began to experience that. It's a miracle. I can't explain to you, you know, how God exactly changes. All I know is that He does. And that's the invitation of faith to begin to look at these things and say, yeah, I, I would want that too. I want a different way of doing my life. And that begins not by changing my career or my job or the person that I'm with or my family. But by something that, that needs to change that is way deeper. And God offers that. A new heart will I give you. A heart of flesh. And this issue of being cleansed from the idols, well, I began to realize those were the sources of my insecurities. Those were the reasons why my world was so fragile. And what were my idols? Well, personally, I mean, everybody has their, their issues, right? Um, I mentioned to you a bit about my grade. I was very competitive academically. But beyond that, I was also, uh, I had become dependent on relationships. If I was in a relationship, then I felt loved. And if I felt loved, then of course I am lovable. And if I am lovable, then I'm valuable. The challenge with that is you're making yourself dependent on someone else's choice as to whether you are worth something or not. And when those relationships would end, my idol would walk away. <laughs> then I felt the very opposite. Because I am not wanted, I must be unlovable, 
undesirable, therefore invaluable, of no worth. Never saw that. I just thought, well, it just didn't work out. It was the wrong one. And then I will go chasing for the next one. And like I said, that's my journey. It doesn't have to be everybody else's. And these were one. I mean, God doesn't say, I'll sprinkle clean water and I'll clean you from your one idol. He said, God's realistic. He says, I will clean you of your idols, plural. And all of us carry a plurality of idols that we're probably unaware are even there. So when I began to say, Lord, yes, cleanse, take away, take away the outside stuff that is making me so fragile, so insecure, and begin to build my security from the inside out. Let me feel your love. Let me feel how much you love me because your love is unchanging. Like we read a few episodes back in Jeremiah 31.3 where God says that He has loved you and me with an everlasting love. That's the kind of heart you and I need, a heart that feels and yearns for that love that is unchanging, faithful, always there for you.